The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 3 is where we're going to pick up. Remember, last week we dealt with this, the heart of a mentor, and Paul having a heart for his son in the faith, his dearly beloved son in the faith, Timothy. And so we pick up in verse number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 3, the Bible says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Father, we just ask that you would guide our time in your word, make it effective, I pray that it would be uh, helpful to us. And Lord, I pray that you just minimize the distractions in our own mind and hearts. And I pray that you would help us all to grab something from tonight that would uh, help us to walk with you and demonstrate our walk in front of our family, in front of the world in which we live. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would uh, use this time in our hearts tonight. We give it to you and give myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, as we think about this matter of unfeigned faith or sincere faith, I want us to realize that Paul, as he jumps into some of the meat of the letter and still going through some of the introduction, he is considering Timothy's uh, most notable character, and that is his very sincere, unfeigned faith. Unfeigned isn't really a word that we use often, but here it is, as we look here, Timothy has this, and it kind of comes to the surface in, in Paul's mind. This is what really marks Timothy. This is what I really appreciate tonight, as we shared testimonies about our mothers. We think of the things that we really appreciate, the things that rise to the top. Brother Morris mentioned her unshakable faith, and Paul had that feeling towards Timothy. It's kind of the idea, this unfeigned faith, this sincere faith, is, you know, God's word said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. That's, that's the end of the story. I'm just going to follow and do whatever God wants me to do. We've all heard people say from time to time, maybe when you've invited them to church or when they're having a conversation about church folks, they might say, so I just don't go over to church, or I don't attend church. I'm never going to go into church, and you, you, can, uh, you can finish it. It's because of all the what's over there? hypocrites over there and that's often lodged against the church and you know what in every job place and in every organization you have hypocrites you have hypocrites inside a church you have hypocrites outside a church and that's the the fact but satan often loves to keep people out of church over that but the fact of the matter is god has commanded you and i to be very sincere in our faith and not just in our faith but also in love and also in wisdom all three of those things, God says in the New Testament, commands us to be very sincere or unhypocritical or unfeigned in our faith. And so as Paul looks in on Timothy, his beloved son in the faith, he looks at his unfeigned faith. And if you can kind of think of it, 
Um, verse number five is the core of the verses that we're going to be studying. Everything is attached to verse number five and specifically to that statement, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Everything kind of is, is stuck to that. And so that's what is going to guide our study tonight. And so I want you to notice his unfeigned faith that is at the core of who he is and what Paul begins to give thanks for. Notice this unfeigned faith was a reason for the gratitude that Paul was expressing right now in verse number three. I thank God. Now, very quickly, Paul gets on a rabbit trail, and uh, lest you think that, you know, it's just preachers in this day, Paul gets on a divine rabbit trail, if you will, here, saying a whole lot of things. But he starts out, I thank God, and he doesn't really get back to it until he gets to verse number five and says, when I call to remembrance your unfeigned faith. But he has some things to say along the way. It's all in the context of a grateful heart, a grateful heart for Timothy's faith. Can you think of somebody, can you think of somebody who has a faith in God, a, a walk with God that you say, boy, that, that's helpful to me, that's encouraging to me, that, that helps encourage me on and inspire me on to follow God. That's what Paul's dealing with here, but his thanks is towards God. How many of us realize tonight that anyone's walk with God, if it's vibrant, it, it's a direct result of God's work in their life. That's not something they came up with. That's something God is doing in their life. So if you can think of someone in your life, thank God for them. Paul's thanking God for Timothy. I thank God whom I serve. I thank the God who my forefathers taught me about. And now I get to serve with a pure conscience. I thank my God who led me across Timothy's path in Acts chapter number 16. I thank him. And that gratitude that Paul has in his heart towards God, it led him to consistently be praying for Timothy. Notice there in verse number, uh, verse number four how he's consistently praying. Night and day he's praying for Timothy. Now we can say to one another, oh, I prayed for you today or I prayed for you this week, but Paul could say to Timothy, I've been praying for you night and day. If I'm up at night, I'm praying for you. Uh, as I go throughout my day, I'm praying for you. You are constantly on my mind. But this all came out of his, out of his gratitude to God for his unfeigned faith. It was a burden on his heart to pray for Timothy. He longed to see him. He longed to see him. He says, I greatly desire to see thee. Uh, typically, we don't desire to see the people that we're not thankful for, right? But Paul was thankful for Timothy. He was thankful to God for Timothy. He longed to see him, but he also had empathy for what was hurting Timothy. Timothy was in the ministry. Paul knew that the, 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 the church there in Ephesus and other ministries that, that Timothy had opportunity to be involved in, he knew the rigors of the ministry. He knew that later on he would face some people like Janus and Jamres, who with uh, 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 those type of people who withstood, uh, withstood the truth. He knew he'd be up against some of that and he had empathy because he says there i'm mindful of thy tears oh yeah timothy cried oh yeah timothy had burdens timothy had had scars as he as he tried to win people to the lord jesus christ he had those things he had empathy for timothy's hurts but he wanted to be in his presence and what does he says when i'm in your presence there's going to be a fullness of joy in my heart my heart's going to rejoice and listen all this flowed out of paul's heart of uh, gratitude towards god you know, a heart of gratitude will adjust a lot of things in our life. You know, we get out of sorts, and oftentimes it's a, that murmuring heart like the, uh, like, the, like the children of Israel. We were spreading rock yesterday, and one of the new believers, we were talking at lunchtime about, uh, about how the, uh, the Israelites are going through the promised land, and they're complaining, and God is raining down, God is raining down bread on them. He's giving them manna. And he goes, you know what? 
If I got hit in the head with a piece of Wonder Bread, you know, I wouldn't be doing anything. I'd be stopping at, you know, everything that's wrong in my life. You know, and we, we don't often, you know, sometimes we hear these stories over and over uh, and we get so used to them, but um, forget how special they are to a new believer and realizing God is working in our lives, but yet we don't often have a heart of gratitude and a heart of gratitude that changes our relationships with those around us. Think about how a heart of gratitude would change our relationships right within our families and right within our church family. Paul had that gratitude toward the Lord, but notice his gratitude was also for Timothy's faith in verse number five. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you. It's not something you put on. It's not something, uh, some facade that you wear around. It is in you, Timothy. I know it's there. I'm actually, he says in the end of the verse, I'm persuaded. I am convinced. I've seen it over and over. As we've been on journeys together, I've seen your unfeigned faith. And that word unfeigned, it means unhypocritical. It means sincere. Over in Romans 12 and verse number 9, it tells us to let our love be without, do you remember? Dissimulation. That's exactly the same word. It's the idea of this this insincere. Let your love be without insincerity. Make sure that you're sincere in your love. Make sure here you're sincere in your faith. This word is used six times, four directly in the New Testament. And God in all these places is telling us, I want sincerity in your life. I don't want fakes. I want sincerity. We get aggravated with fake news, right? We want sincere news. We want real news, right? And that's the reality. We want people to be sincere. That's the reality. And God is saying, I want you to be sincere in your faith. Timothy, I see this sincere faith, this sincere Christian walk. And when we're talking about the faith, we're talking about the Christian life. So you could boil it all down and say this, Timothy was a real Christian. He was simply just a real Christian. What you saw is what you got. What Timothy was at home, he was at church. What he, on what he was at work, he was at church. He was the same all the way around. Timothy was simply a sincere Christian. Not perfect. I'm sure he made a lot of mess-ups. I'm sure he should have said things when he, uh, when he, when he didn't, when he held back and didn't, didn't confront issues. But the, the fact is, Timothy was sincere in his faith, and Paul was convinced about that. We'll say something about, you know, in describing someone. That guy's the real deal. You ever heard someone say something like that? That guy's the real deal. That's Timothy. He's the real deal. He's, he's real. He's genuine all the way through. Timothy had a walk with God. Timothy had a heart for God on the inside that came out on the outside. He was sincere in his faith. When we think about what this might look like in Timothy's life, Timothy, we can observe from, the, from these letters to him that he was not arrogant. Even over in Acts chapter number 16, he was a disciple. He was willing to, willing to follow even as a young man. He was not full of himself. He was willing to be brought along. In fact, he was not full of himself to the point that Paul in these letters often had to push him along and encourage him along. Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Fulfill your calling. Stir up your calling. Stir up your gift. Why? Because oftentimes Timothy's fear... And Timothy's uh, timidity uh, held him back. Paul had to say, no, 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 you, you've been given this opportunity by God. Take it by the, by the horn, so to speak, and go for it, Timothy. Be bold in your faith. He was not arrogant, was not full of himself. Timothy also was not beyond learning. Because 
through these letters, he had been um, being mentored by Paul from a distance, but think about what we mentioned last week. He had been in a mentor relationship with Paul for 20 years, and he was still listening to the Apostle Paul. Think about that, children, tonight. Think about how that, that he was that long, for 20 years, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was mentoring or helping this young man learn what it was to walk with God and be in the ministry. That's an incredible thing. He was not beyond learning. And I think about our own uh, children here tonight. Uh, and I'm thankful for them here tonight. Uh, you know what? You're never beyond learning. Adults, we're never beyond learning how important we need that no matter what age. And Timothy was not beyond learning. In fact, in, uh, in Tim, uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 10, the Bible says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. You've known my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my, my charity, my, my patience. You've seen it all, Timothy, and you've continued to learn along the lines. But Timothy was also not above serving in the most basic ways. Do you remember at the end of this, um, this book, this letter? Paul says, hey, when you come to me, will you stop by and will you pick up my coat? Will you pick up my coat? And by the way, make sure you don't forget the, the scrolls. The parchments. Will you, be a, will you be a courier for me? Will you be a, just a simple servant? I need your help. Timothy was not beyond serving in the most basic ways. He had pastored a church, but he was not beyond serving in the most basic of ways. And just being a helper. And that is, that is Timothy, and I'm sure there's many other things we could learn about Timothy, but Timothy was sincere in his faith. It was not a fakery. It was not a put-on. And for 20 years, Paul had observed this young man who was sincere in his faith. And all that our lives over the span of time would be able to be observed as being sincere Christians, just simply real Christians. There is a, uh, a press release concerning a hospital uh, years ago that was released. Uh, the hospital officials were told um, about their fire system. They, um, you know, when you build a hospital or build a, a building in these days, there's, there's requirements that there be a sprinkler system, that there be uh, fire hydrant uh, hookups within the, within the building and so on. Uh, and so, so was the case in this hospital. And uh, uh, upon a further investigation, I'm not sure what led to the investigation, but uh, there was an investigation and they realized that this beautiful hydrant system within this hospital that had many, uh, many, many valves, many faucets, many connecting points in case of a fire uh, that gave everyone in the hospital uh, kind of a confidence that, hey, if there's a fire, we're going to be able to fight the thing from the system here. And so they, they were told upon, uh, upon uh, further study that, that the, the, the pipe that would feed this hydrant system um, went out of the hospital four feet and stopped. It was not connected to the city water. It, it, it had no water inside of the hydrant system. It, it was purely for looks. Now, I'm not sure who was the inspector on the job site that day that missed that. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, if, if, that, uh, if that came back on them, it was not a good day for them. But the medical staff, the patients, they felt confidence in the system. They could walk by the nicely polished, uh, you know, polished or the nice red um, faucets and so on and it make them feel comfortable, but it was absolutely useless. It looked good on the outside. It had all the right looks but it was absolutely useless. You could say that was a very insincere system. It wasn't real. And that's exactly the same thing in our lives. We can look the part. 
We can talk about the faith. We can express words of faith. You know that we have Christianese. One of the things that makes it hard when new believers are coming into the faith and coming into church is like ours. Sometimes we talk in Christianese. You know what it is? It's words they don't understand. And we have to stop and realize they, they, don't, they don't always know where the, the, um, the, the, the books of the Bible are. They don't know what conversation the Bible means. They don't know what lasciviousness means. They don't know some of these things. And, and we, we sometimes will say, well, brother and sister, what are you guys talking about? What kind of weird place have I dropped into? And we begin to explain. Why does everyone say amen? And we have Christianese. But the fact is, we can say those things, we can look the part, we can talk the part, we can act the part, but if it's not real, it's not good in front of God. God wants real Christianity. He wants truth in the inward parts. And there's a lot of Christians, maybe you're one here tonight, that has the piping, has the faucets, but your pipe only goes four feet out. There's no water. There's no reality. It looks good, but it's not it's not real. When it comes down, when the pressure is on, you're not going to be able to deliver because the faith, the real, isn't there. It isn't a, something that you're stepping out and practicing in your life. And so God wants us to be unhypocritical in our faith. And we should want the same thing. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden parts, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Hey, David, I don't want you just to, I don't want you just to be looking good on the outside. I want you to be true on the inside. Why was David called a man after God's own heart? Because he had truth in the inward parts. Yeah, he messed up, but he had truth in the inward parts. God wants that in us. Now, how is that cultivated? How is that going to be cultivated in our lives? How is that going to be cultivated in the children's lives that are here tonight, the teenagers' lives that are here tonight, in our lives as a church family? How is that cultivated? I want you to notice it was a result of godliness specifically of a godly heritage because he says there which dwelt first in thy grandmother lois and in thy mother eunice and so i want us to realize here tonight that this faith that timothy possesses and is living out this real christianity he had observed it he had seen it lived out he had seen his mom and his grandmother live out this faith in their daily life he had seen them live it out in the marketplace and on the streets and in their their private conversation they had, he had seen this lived out i want us to notice how he says it first dwelt in it, it existed and it was situated in their lives it was not just a sunday thing it existed in their lives. It was well-rooted in their lives. And to help underscore that, the Bible tells us in Romans 7 and verse number 20, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. How many of you realize tonight that you have flesh and it really very much dwells in you? Right? You know, it's a real thing that you fight and you'll fight tomorrow and you'll fight, you'll fight today, you'll fight it in your interactions. Flesh it's real, that sin, that sin principle that dwells within us. But you know what the Bible also says, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 16? Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Do you know what the word is used for Eunice and Lois, that, that their faith dwells in them is the same word for the flesh that dwells within, within us, that a sin principle as well as the holy spirit of god dwelling in us how many of you realize tonight god promised that the holy spirit is in us to stay you with me 
That is the, that is the word dwell that is used to, to say that in Timothy's mother and grandmother, their faith, their Christianity, the reality of Christ dwelled in them like that. It wasn't just for show. It was a real thing. Timothy saw it firmly rooted in their lives. And you and I cannot pass on a sincere faith if we do not first have sincere faith. We'll not be able to pass it on to our children. We'll not be able to pass it on to other disciples. You cannot, you cannot give to another new believer what you do not first have. And lest I, lest I be taken, uh, you know, taken out of context or misunderstood, I do not believe tonight that, that, that every child growing up in a Christian home will automatically turn out for God. They have a choice. I told you about the, 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 the choices I've had in my life. I've told you about my parents. I've told you about how my, my parents have been consistent. They're not perfect, but not consistent. But you know what? In our home, not every child turned out for the Lord. Not every child is serving the Lord. I'm thankful a majority are. But every one of us had a decision point in our lives where we had to choose you this day whom ye will serve. And I'm thankful for as long as I was in my dad's house, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to all be in church. As for me and my house, this is the way it goes. My dad was never afraid of pushing me away. He just said, as for me and my house, this is how it's going to be. My dad was a Marine, and I thank the Lord for that. We can use some more of that spirit in parenting today. This is the way that, that it will go. But you cannot pass on a sincere faith in your, uh, to your, your, your children or to those that you're ministering to if you do not first practice a sincere faith. He saw it in his mother and in his grandmother. Oh, that everyone around us would see it in us. What a difference it would make. But I want us to think about the godly home life. It wasn't just a godly heritage, but a godly home life. Does the Bible clue us in on Timothy's home life? Yeah, it does. Flip over to 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 15. Look at this verse with me. Right before that very well-known verse, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It says, and, from, and that from a child... Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able, they have the power to make thee wise unto salvation through faith. There's no making wise with, without faith. It, it has to be accepted through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Faith has to be placed in Jesus Christ. But I want us to notice, and that from a what? You seeing it? And that from a what? A child. There's a couple of words for child in the Bible. Uh, here, this is referring to an infant. This is not referring to an elementary kid. This is not referring to a 10-year-old. This is referring, and that from an infant, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. You've known them because you've been instructed in them. You've not known them because you had experienced them. You knew them because you've been instructed in them. You have been taught them you've been you've been uh they've been articulated to you you've been taught them in bible stories you've been you've been uh shared at your mother's feet these stories and these truths have been shared and this is impacting your life from that point on what happened back there in your formative years in your infant years what you learned back then is still affecting you today timothy and that from a child thou has known the holy scriptures you know what timothy's home was centered around the scriptures. It was centered around the scriptures. Now, a lot is called Christian home that is not 
really Christian home and practice. And if our homes, I say this to me, if our homes are not centered around the word of God, it is a hard thing to call them a Christian home. It is a hard thing. Oh, we might have faith. We might have our salvation. But if they're not centered around the word of God, it's not real. It's not the real deal. It's insincere. We, we say one thing on the outside. We, we look the part. But the, the fact is this is the, this is the basis. And Timothy's home life was centered around the word of God. A home void of the truth of God's word cannot produce godly children. Now think about that. You say, well, wait a minute, I've heard of some, uh, some godly children coming out of, out of horrible situations. And listen, they have to overcome a whole lot, don't they? But I'll tell you, if we expect to raise and send out godly children, God's word is going to have to be central. God's word is going to have to be what everything is tied back to, what our rules are tied back to, what our priorities are tied back to, what our values are tied back to, what every discipline is tied back to. You know, discipline should not be just because I'm upset with you. No, you violated God's word and God commands me to help you out in this situation and to bring a consequence into your life because one day you're going to not just violate my word and, and what I'm saying to you. One day you're going to violate God's word and you're going to be in trouble with him. I want you to learn to not disobey me so someday you don't have to be chastened by God. And so, you know what? All over our society right now, people are revolting over consequences. Why? Because they're never taught that in, in homes. But friends, sometimes in our Christian homes, they're not taught that every sin has a consequence. And every, every one of those needs to be tied back to Scripture. It needs to be tied back to Scripture. Where do we get our values? From Scripture. Providing things honest. Why is it wrong to lie? Why should we... Why should we deal with lying in our children the bible says providing things honest for honest things not only in the sight of the lord but in the also in the sight of men we're to have honesty throughout our life not just in god's eyes but in the sight of men we're not to bear false witness son you lied this is against god god hates the lying tongue it's an abomination to him i can't get let you get away with this you know i think timothy probably had a few moments like that don't you think if his, if his home was centered around the word of God, I have no doubt there were some moments where his mom says, Timothy, hey, Timmy, you messed up. And this is where we go back to, in the Ten Commandments that God gave us, he told us not to lie. In the Ten Commandments, God, God said, you are to honor your father and mother. Hey, Timmy, you want to live long? <laughs> Obey mom and dad. But dad doesn't always treat me right. I know. The Bible still says, obey your mom and dad and honor thy father and thy mother. Hmm. You know what? What a difference it makes when I am an instrument in God's hands in the lives of my children to say, hey, listen, I'm just trying to uh, train you to obey God. And when you fall out of line, I'm going to be there to help you. I'm going to be there to shepherd you and shepherd you back to getting in line. And that was the idea of Timothy's life. He was being instructed. He was being instructed. He did not experience all this. Friends, I can't underscore that enough. He was instructed in these things. He was told these things. He was told. He was made aware of the word of God from his earliest days. We all could say, you know, by God's grace, we're going to take a step up in that this week. And by the way, notice, grandparents, who else was involved in this? 
grandmother. Didn't we just see the wonderful display of that? And some of you heard that last Wednesday night, that grandmother coming all the way out from California to bring her granddaughter to this church and to get her rooted in a church. That's a Eunice right there. Praise God for that. That's the type of people we ought to be. Amen. What a, what a wonderful home life Timothy had. I'm sure it had problems, just like all of our homes do, right? They had problems. We're not perfect, but we want to center around the Word of God and keep coming back to that needs to be the center point of our, word, uh, of our homes. So this, this unfeigned faith, this unhypocritical faith, was the reason for Paul's gratitude to God and for Timothy. It was the, it was the, the result of godliness within the home. That you can tie it back to that. Paul did. God did by his Holy Spirit uh, as he inspired this. But I want us also to know, for Paul, it was an opportunity to remind Timothy, go forward. Don't get stuck here. Timothy, you've got problems. I'm on my way out of here. And don't get stuck here. Go forward. And go forward, Timothy, verse number six in your calling. So wherefore, with all these things in mind, Timothy, I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God that is uh, in thee by the putting on of my hand. Now, Paul did not call Timothy. What is being referred to here is the idea of the acknowledgement or the affirmation of a gift that God had put in his life. From the earliest days of Timothy's Christian experience, Paul had been a witness of what Timothy was about. When he comes back on his second missionary journey, the Bible says, and there was in Lystra there a certain disciple. When Paul was not there, Timothy was still following Jesus Christ. And Paul saw that. And so Paul was able to look at him and say, listen, there's something special about this young man. There's something God is doing in this, in this, on this young man's life. I see that. And along the way, at some point, along the way, there was an acknowledgement by Paul and a group of other preachers that said, hey, listen, we see God's hand upon his life. It's similar to what happened in Acts chapter number 13 when the whole church said, hey, we see God's hand and we acknowledge the call of God on Paul and Barnabas and we're sending them out into the first missionary journey. And so that's what's going on. 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 14, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy declaration uh, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery as the pastors got along the preachers got uh, got around and said we we see god's hand on your life timothy we acknowledge that we affirm that one of the questions i was asked in my ordination council which sounds a whole lot more formal and scary than than it is it's it's simply a bunch of pastors questioning a a candidate to see if he knows doctrine and see if he exhibits a, 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 a call for ministry. And so they, they, they're exhibiting, you know, they're going through all through my doctrinal statement, and they're asking all these questions. But one of the questions that was asked, if we say no, what will you do? If we don't ordain you, what will you do? And I said, I'll go preach. Why? Because God called me. Not those men. God called me. I remember that day. And that's exactly the same thing in Timothy's life. That's exactly the same thing. This was an affirmation in his life. And what Paul is saying, Timothy, as I see your unfeigned faith, I just want to remind you, stir up the gift. Stir up the calling that God has put on your life. This gift of grace, and that's exactly this present of grace that God has given you. By his, uh, it, it, it's something of his of his favor, his goodwill that he's shown on your life. He's called you to do this. 
Uh, stir up this gift. Don't let it lie dormant. Don't, don't slack. Don't be lazy in your calling. Go after it. And so right within the local assembly of believers, as they had gathered there in the, the city of Lystra and in other places, they had noted in Timothy's life this gift. And Paul's saying, I want you to stir it up. I want you to stay after it, Timothy. Timothy was called to be a pastor, but you're called to be a witness. You're called to be a mother. You're called to be a dad. You're called to, to be a part of the body of Christ. God has given you a gift. In fact, in Ephesians chapter number 4, but unto every one of us is given grace. The same idea, grace, a gift according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And so we find in Ephesians, we find over in Romans chapter number 12, that to every believer there is given a gift of grace with which to use to minister within the body of Christ. The gift of mercy. The gift of administration, the gift of, uh, of, of proclaiming the word, of teaching, and so on. These different gifts. God has given you a gift tonight. Timothy had a gift. Paul's saying, stir it up, Timothy. Don't let it lie dormant. And I say to you at Grace Baptist Church, to every one of you tonight, stir up your gift. Stir up your gift. Use it for the, the glorifying of God in this place, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Grace Baptist Church limps without the expression of your gift. We hurt without the expression of your gift. You say, I don't know it. Discover it. Deploy it. Use it to, um, to be blessing the body of Christ. Timothy was told, stir it up. I say to you, stir it up. Use your gift and calling. Ask God to help and give you grace with that. By the way, the spiritual gifts that we receive are not intended to be operated or to be used, to be expressed apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. The best place for you and I to be is, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you again. And I need you again as I teach these kids. I need you again as I serve in this way. I need you again. We always need the Holy Spirit's help in what we're doing. But Timothy was to go forward with his gift, his calling. But he's also to go forward with courage. In verse number 7, the Bible says this, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Fear is not from God. Our world is terrorized right now. All across the world, we're terrorized with fear. Satan has always used fear to drive people, but we're terrorized with fear. And this is not from God. We're told 70 times in the scriptures not to fear. We're told 28 times, be not afraid. Fear thou not, four times. The Bible over and over is reminding us, don't be afraid. This is not from God. Be courageous in God. But what does Paul say to Timothy? God hasn't given you the spirit of fear that is all around you, but what God has given you is love. And go forward in that. Rest in God's power. Rest in God's power. Notice how he says that. But of power and of love and of sound mind. Rest in God's power. Rest in the omnipotent power of God. Have we forgotten that God is all-powerful? that there is nothing God cannot do? What are you up against this week? What's causing you to fear? What situation, what relationship, what step of faith is causing you to fear? Is not God bigger than that? Does he have no, a more power than that? Who or what can overpower God? Now think about that. I've been listening to a song on repeat this week about the almighty power of God. We serve the Lord God Almighty. 
And what an amazing thought that God trumps all the problems in our life, all the people in our life, all the the powers in our life. God trumps it all. He is more powerful than everything. Nothing can overcome the Lord our God. And he says, rest in his power. Just be at, at peace with his power, but of power and of love. Rejoice in his Rejoice in his love. Unconditional love. By the way, from which all the other kinds of love flow. You can't truly express family love or friendly love or romantic love without having the love of God. It's impossible. And he says, you have the love of God. I've expressed it to you. Walk forward in that way. Go forward, Timothy, in the love of God. This unconditional love. Who can separate us from the love of God? No one. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing at all. Nothing this week. Well, I got a, I got a problem away to me. It can't separate you from the love of God. You'll go home, you'll drive home, and you'll put your head on the pillow uh, every single night this week knowing, maybe he won't know it experientially, but the fact will still remain that God loves you and you're not separated from the love of God. What an amazing truth. And we don't have to fear because of that. We can go forward because of that. But Timothy, also go forward with single-mindedness on the will of God. He says of a sober mind. God's given you a, so, a sound mind. That's the idea of a disciplined or self-controlled mind, a mind that's focused. I don't know about you, but we can get all distracted. We have a million and one things going on through our minds. It's amazing how much our brains compute. Is it not? They're amazing computers. No computer will ever come close to it. It's amazing what God has created. Right inside this three-pound brain, it's just an amazing thing. But there's all sorts of distractions and all sorts of things running down the freeways in our brain and keeping us all distracted and all worried. And God says, no, Timothy, God's not giving you the spirit of fear. God's not, uh, he's giving you the, the, um, the, the power and love and a sound mind, a focused mind, if we'll take it, if we'll practice it. What's more important than God's will? Nothing. Timothy, what's more important than your calling? Nothing. What's more important than walking out your your real Christianity and and sincere faith? Nothing. Continue in God's will, the Bible says. Jesus teaching us to pray in Matthew 6, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Nothing's more important. This week, if we get all of our to-do list done but don't get the will of God done, we have failed. We have failed, but sometimes we go into a week like this and we have not practiced a a disciplined mind, a sound mind, and we get off on this and we get off on this and we've not allowed God's will to be priority in our lives and what happens? We, We waver. We get all distracted. We get all fearful in our, in our day. Listen, the fact of the matter is we need to wake up every single day. What Timothy needed to do is the same thing that we need to do, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What do you want me to do today? Well, I know I got to go to work, but what do you want me to do while I'm at work? Who do you want me to talk to? Uh, How do you want me to go about the day? What do you want me to be thinking upon? We so often get off on obstacles. I heard one man say obstacles are what we see when we get our eyes off Jesus. It's true. When we get our eyes off the will of God, we see all sorts of obstacles. Fear rises up. And Paul is telling Timothy, go forward, encourage Timothy. Don't let the fear get you down. Stay focused on the power of God, on the love of God, and keep your mind centered on the will of God. And so Timothy was marked, a man that was marked by sincere Christian faith. It was not fake. It was not hypocritical. It was sincere. It was going forward. 
And I just want us to remember tonight, it was a reason for Paul's gratitude. It was, it was the result of godliness within the home. We need to grow in that, don't we? Each one of us can grow in that godliness, cultivating that atmosphere of godliness within the home. The practice of godliness was a reminder for Timothy, go forward. Don't stay here. Go forward. Don't lapse in your faith. Don't give out in the last, last mile. Keep on going. Go all the way to the end. There are stories that are told in the old Roman Empire how in pottery shops there was a, a little bit of a situation with this matter of sincerity. Uh, they would place the pottery, the different vessels, in, uh, in the, the oven, and they would, they would cook isn't the right word, fire, thank you. And, uh, but sometimes they would, there would be those vessels that would crack. And so they'd take them out, and bummer, you know, I've, I've wasted all that time, that the energy with the, with the oven and so on, and I've wasted all this time. So they would just simply take some wax, and they would, they would rub it into those cracks, and then they would paint over it, and they put it out there on the shelf, and they would sell it as a, as a fine piece of pottery. Only problem, when Mrs. Benjamin takes that thing home and puts some hot water in it for her tea, whatever kind of tea they were drinking in those days, uh, it would it would soon leak, and she would find out that she had an insincere vessel. So what happened is, is part of just marketing. Uh, when others who were kind of uh, being hurt by this gimmick that was going on in the local uh, market, they would, they would put up, uh, out, other shop owners would put out, here's, here's my pottery, and they would, they would put out a sign that said something along the line, sincere or without wax without wax, without filler, <laughs> without the wax. It was sincere. And that's where the word sincere, let your love be without dissimulation, unfeigned, that's where it comes from. Let your, let your faith be unfeigned. Let it be sincere. And as we think about that tonight, and we think Timothy's life, he had a life that Paul had observed for over 20 years and Paul could say, as a man who's very perceptive and had been through a lot, Paul could say, I praise God for your sincere faith. I praise God when I look into your life, I don't see something that's a fake. I don't see something that you've put some wax in some uh, different corners and that's going to come out in the moment of trial. I see a sincere faith. It's been tested and you've stood the test of time. And I praise God for that. And you know what? God knows our hearts tonight too. God wants us to have a sincere faith. God wants us to cultivate that in our lives. He wants us to exhibit that within our homes. And I wonder tonight if you'd be with me and praying, God, I, I, I want that type of faith. Lord, I want to cultivate that, and I want to pass it on, and I want to, I want to help my children to have that same sincere faith. And if that's your heart tonight, I invite you to prayer this evening as we bow our heads and just simply ask the Lord, Lord, I want that heart that's sincere. I don't want to be one thing at church and another thing out in public. I want to be sincere before you. I want to be real in my Christianity. I want to be real everywhere that I go. I don't want to be fake. I do not want to be hypocritical. Father, as we would take time tonight in your presence, you knowing all things, you know all things. You see our downsitting. you see our uprising, you see our conversations. You know all things. Lord, you know the insincerity that dwells within our hearts. And I pray tonight that by your Holy Spirit, you'd reveal 
any of that so that we might be made right with you and that we might have an unfeigned faith, real Christianity. Lord, what an impact that would have on those around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the quiet of this moment, I invite you to pray. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.